is the University of Michigan. Welcome back to Blue by 90. I'm here with Jack and Kalen. It is Indiana week. How are we doing out there, boys? Ready for another weekend? Something to hopefully uh, drown out this past weekend. So my, uh, my hopes are high. It can't get much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm alive. That's, that's about <laughs> as happy pulse. as it gets. Yeah, we've, got a, we've all got a pulse. That's good. Um, it is election week, which has been just a wild week. So, um, it's kind of like taking football has taken a backseat to the election this week, which hasn't been a bad thing because if there wasn't a <laughs> distraction and all we were hearing about was Michigan, Michigan state all week, it would have been quite the nightmare. So, um, feeling, uh, feeling a little bit better. I, I wanted to ask you guys, you know, obviously, after last week this is now you know the excitement levels have gone down are you are you guys still excited to watch Michigan football this weekend or is it like uh all right here we go I'll watch but you know you know I am and here's my reason I'm I'm, this is me being a Michigan fan trying to spin this to make it like a positive when like two days ago I was ready to jump off the bandwagon so (laughs) Michigan always has that one loss, right? It seems like that just ruins the entire season. But normally it's like the end of the year. If we got that out of the way in week two, it's a very, very positive outlook for the rest of the season if we can win the rest of the games. I mean, obviously not Ohio State, but every, every other game, I mean, I'm fine with that. That's a very positive way to look at it. I just want to highlight um... – at Steven Toski, because I've been watching his like film reviews. And honestly, it's brought a very positive attitude from me, at least towards the program, because I'm going like, oh, there's a lot of mistakes there. But they're all things we can fix. If we're able to fix what the mistakes we made against MSU, it's a tough team, because there's a lot of talent there. So honestly, I'm starting to feel better than I definitely was <laughs> on Sunday. I mean, I'll, I'll feel better for sure if Don Brown makes adjustments in the in the secondary and kind of helps helps his players succeed. But if we hey. keep seeing what we did, we're we're not. It's not gonna. I'm, I'm telling It's you. not gonna be a good season for the rest of the season. I'm telling you, watch the film. Don Brown did make adjustments. It was about player execution. Ah, Vince Gray. Yeah. Come on, buddy. That was your boy all offseason, Jack. And then I know. it took him two <laughs> weeks to just be exposed yes. completely. Completely <laughs> exposed. So yeah. I I don't know. I'm 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 still gonna watch, obviously. I'm gonna be invested. I'll be sucked right back in as soon as kickoff happens. But like I'm sitting here right now, it's Thursday, and I'm like, damn, like this it only took two weeks and my heart's already kind of broken, and it's like Fuck, I don't know. You you just you just feel you feel like this usually usually this feeling comes, you know, late well, usually it's late November in the in a normal year. It's early November, I guess now, but it's early very early in the in an eight week season. So um yeah, I don't know. I, I think that uh it's kind of a make or break week now. All now like every week is make or break, right? 
Because I think that how crazy would it be if Michigan is two and one after this week with two road ranked team wins, but they're still, you know, they've got a home loss to Michigan State and people are still off the bandwagon on like Imagine saying that before the season. Yes, Michigan will be two and one with two road ranked wins uh, by their third game. Yet everyone still wants Harbaugh fired. <laughs> it's true, and I think I think Sparty will end up being a team that does a lot better than people expected. Man, I mean, Mel Tucker definitely got those guys fired up, and they're the the kids buy in there. That's for sure. It's something that they've lived on for the past ten twenty years with with D'Antonio. So. Uh, Lombardi's a solid QB. He, we saw him drop dimes against Michigan. He's had two games where he's over 300 yards. They're right around 300 yards. So I think the Michigan State loss doesn't, doesn't end up looking as bad as it does now because MSU was 0-1 with a loss to Rutgers for, for the first game. So I think Sparty ends up doing better so that loss doesn't look as bad. And I think the team just figures it out and, and they look better. I think Milton gets more comfortable. Um, I think – the, like Kalen, you said, the, the execution from the players, I think that'll have to improve as the season goes on. Um, I'm really trying not to get my hopes up again, but <laughs> it can, like you said, it can be fixed. And if it is fixed, then that's, that's great for myself. Right. Now it's not going to be a walk in the park, right? I mean, we're going to talk to uh, our insider here later on about what's going on at Indiana, but from what we've seen from them, at least from what I've seen is but basically been replays because I'm not like watching Indiana live. <laughs> but I mean, like we said, Mr. P, he's all over the place, right? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing, learning a little bit more about that team. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is this isn't a big game for Michigan unless they lose, right? If Michigan, if Michigan wins, it's another like, all right, Harbaugh, Don Brown, you guys kind of saved yourself for another week. Um, not that they're not that I think they're going to be fired midseason, um, but they at least saved themselves from being you know roasted by the fan base for one more week. But if they lose and now they're one and two against two teams, you know they haven't lost to Indiana since 1980 something, and a terrible Michigan State team as, as what they looked like in week one. That that's a bad look, and, and the pressure and the heat on on Jim Harbaugh's seat and Don Brown's seat and everyone else goes skyrocketing. So um, that's how I kind of see this. And so, Jack, you mentioned the the energy in the locker room and playing with the chip on your shoulder and stuff like that and having the fire. And so it came out uh, on Rich Rodriguez's podcast. What is it? The Hard Edge uh, podcast, something like that, with Rich yeah. Rodriguez and his daughter Raquel. Um, and he came out and straight up said, it is not a coaching problem at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is not the problem. And he went on and he elaborated a bit and said, it's more about the struggles within that, within that program as a whole of, um, kind of an arrogance, I'd say of of players that they think they're going to be able to just wake up, walk into the stadium, show up and, and beat people instead of playing with that energy, the chip on the shoulder. Um, Jack, do you want to uh, give a little uh, insight onto what you think of uh, Rich Rod saying it's not Harbaugh's fault? Yeah, I mean, I know we've, we've talked multiple times about, you know, 
University of Michigan's football program and being stuck in that tradition that they love. And, um, you know, I don't personally, I never really thought of it as like a player is having an arrogance type thing, but you ask any other program in the country and I guarantee they would say it. I mean, people talk about it all the time, Michigan fans, Michigan's players, you know, they're just, they think they're better than everybody else and yada, yada, yada. And that speaks to what Rich Rod brought up and it makes sense, man. I mean, if you're not willing to work for it and you're just expecting to win the game, that's what happens. And that's why you lose to a Michigan state team where it's a bunch of guys are trying to prove themselves and they can buy into that, you know, to Mel Tucker and that kind of program they've built and in uh, East Lansing. And, you know, that's how you beat teams that are supposed to be better than you where with Michigan, it's, it, they're never, it's not really like they've ever bought into that underdog mentality. It's like Michigan's supposed to be at the top and that's just where we're always going to be at. And you, you're going to play at that level, but you got to have that chip on your shoulder. You got to have that underdog mentality to be able to, you know, come back and fight adversity and, and win some big games. Right. I think the example that, uh, that Rich Rod used in that podcast was like when it's raining outside, Bo had them practice in the rain, even though they had a perfectly good indoor facility. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, there is something for that hard level of coaching. I like the anecdote with, uh, um, I like the anecdote from Steve Brandsetter where he said, uh, I thought my name was dumbass for the first couple practices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was, it's, uh, it's speaking a lot to the mental toughness part, um, which Michigan has not had a mentally tough football program for quite some time now. Um, it seems like when they get on the road, if they get down, if they, you know, face any adversity, they seem to crumble. And that was what week one, we thought, that we kind of got over that hump. We saw a little bit of a different football program or a football team. You know, Michigan obviously gets a punt blocked early and then um, they, uh, you know, come right back and really dominated the rest of that football game. And then um, I, I talked about it earlier, um, I think on the previous episode and said, what is it? Mike, the, the Mike Tyson quote is, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, Michigan got punched in the mouth last Saturday and had no idea what to do. And so um, it just seems like that is the struggle um, with Michigan. Um, it, and that's kind of where my views on Harbaugh land is, you know, he doesn't seem to have or, or get his guys in that mentally tough spot to be able to face adversity. And, and if, you're, if you want to compete in the Big Ten, and the country in the game of football, you have to be mentally tough at all times. And it's kind of weird to me because he seems like the guy that is always mentally tough. His ego is big. His, you know, he's like, nothing's ever going to get me down because I know I'm better than you. I think I'm better than you at all times. Um, and so that's where it's a little bit different. So, all right. So, I mean, that's kind of where we're at with Harbaugh. Obviously people are, are, you know, he have him on the hot seat. And so it, everybody except for Rich Rod, it seems like, which Rich Rod obviously knows kind of what, uh, what the, what it 
what it's like, right, to be at Michigan with, with a, I don't want to say failing team, but with a struggling team. And so um, it's interesting to hear his perspective. But obviously, uh, like we talked about, this uh, going into this weekend, this, this game means a lot for Jim now and, and this coaching staff. And so I kind of want to talk about what you guys think about this matchup going into Saturday. It'll be a ranked matchup. I believe Indiana is now, what, 17th, I think, uh, ranked? 13th. 13th are they wow so they're they're a top 15 team Michigan is back down to 23 so like we talked about Michigan um, with two road top 20 um, top 20 top 20 right yeah Um, 25 Minnesota was like 25 or 24 I thought they were like 18 were they I think they were higher than us, I believe, but we're favorite. I can't remember. Anyway, (laughs) we drink too much, obviously. Um, (laughs) I've had six bottles of wine. It's only Thursday. (laughs) Have you really? That's awesome. I wish. No, I, I, if I was, if I had six bottles of wine, I wouldn't be recording right now. I'd be (laughs) drooling on the keyboard. Jim (laughs) Harbaugh. Uh, that's not me quite yet. Give it a little bit. If this election drags on any longer, I might be oh, drinking man. as much wine as possible. So, um, but anyway, let's talk about this, uh, this weekend's matchup. Like we said, uh, top 25, uh, top 15 team here. So in Michigan, again, going to a ranked t- opponent on the road. What do you guys see? Which, so we've obviously seen the two teams come out for Michigan. Really good against Minnesota. Really fucking bad against Michigan State. Which of those teams, or maybe in the middle, what, what do you see coming out on Saturday against Indiana? I mean, for me personally, Indiana has always been a scary game. Kalen can attest to that. We, I, we talk about it every year for the past however many years. Indiana always scares me. And now they're a good Indiana team, right? Ranked 13th in the country. They've got a very talented quarterback, talented receivers. I mean, Tom Allen is, is just bringing them in the right direction. But – I mean, like we've said before, it's very rare to see Harbaugh lose back-to-back games. So I think he'll get the team ready. I think we'll see a lot more fire out of this Michigan team than we did last week against Michigan State, which is still crazy to me that they weren't fired up for that game when it's a rivalry game. But I think we'll see more fire out of that Michigan team uh, on Saturday. I think Joe Milton kind of gets let loose a little bit because we haven't really seen that yet. Um it's going to be a close one, man. I'm going to say 38-35 Michigan. Ooh, I don't know. Kalen, what do you got? I don't hate that <laughs> prediction. Yeah, no, that's a close game. And honestly, that score prediction is not bad. Um, but, I mean, we kind of touched on it with our, uh, with our interview there with uh, – gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. Paul. Paul um, Gable. Paul Gable. But, I mean, I think the big key is – uh, Indiana's run game is very poor, honestly. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here, and uh, they have 41 carries, 138 yards. Hassan Haskins has 14 carries and 138 yards. So, I mean, their run game is really struggling, and our run defense is very good, which leads me to believe that there could be a good matchup favorable to Michigan on the line, and then once you're getting pressure on the quarterback, that could – lead to good things. So that's kind of where I place my hope for Michigan. Um, And hopefully that pressure on the quarterback can take away some of the passing threat. Uh, 
Um, but I'll, I'll leave some of my score prediction for uh, my zero to 90. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I would be super excited about Michigan's defensive line and front seven against uh, Indiana's run game because their their run game is not their strength. But Michigan dominated Michigan State in the run game and still got absolutely roasted on the pass game. So I, it doesn't give me any confidence. They could run for five yards, and if they still just chuck it up to their receivers on the outside, they can still beat Michigan. Or if they do the crossing routes, like, like whatever. Um, I, I think that um, I, I was very in, interested to see. I thought Michael Penix was a running quarterback. And – he only has 10 rushes for two yards in, uh, in, in two games here. And so obviously I'm assuming that's, uh, that has sacks added into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's probably got more, but um, still, I, I was very interested. I thought for sure he was more of a dual threat there. Um, so it'll be interested to, I'll be interested to see how they, how they, they dial up that, that defense. And if Don Brown is going to continue to try to send as many blitzes, or if he's going to actually drop back some, some guys to, to help out those, those defensive uh, backs. So we'll see. I also think on the offensive side, you know, in my opinion, Joe Milton is not the reason that they lost that football game on Saturday. Right. He, he didn't look as crisp as he did he didn't look as confident as he did against minnesota but he threw for 300 yards he he did enough for that team to win that football game it was more that offensive line and the the run game didn't get it so um i think the pressure's on josh gaddis to figure out all right now with a maybe decimated run uh run game which uh the our inside source here from from blue by 90 says that jalen mayfield is out six to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain um, that information is not out there. So that's a blue by 90 exclusive for all you listeners out there. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> that is our, our blue by 90. Sound. That was, that's our blue by 90. You got to work on that one. All right. That was the first try. It's a rough draft. All right. Well, g- give me a second. Um, but, but without him, Michigan's offensive line is going to struggle. And so um, they obviously struggled against, uh, against Michigan state. And I didn't think Michigan state did anything crazy to like make them struggle. Um, it, it was basically they found that they they went up against a half decent defensive line instead of Minnesota's bad one, and and didn't do well. So um, I I think for me with Joe Milton I can count on my hand the number of times they've thrown deep balls. Right, it's only been like three or four all year, and so um, for him to get in a rhythm and actually get a feel for throwing those deep balls and getting some touch on it, they've got to throw more. I always use it, use the analogy of like for a a basketball player to, to shoot out of a a drought, uh, they've got to keep shooting. You just got to keep shooting. Yes. It it might be, it might be, you know, not great for a little bit, but you have to give them shots to get a feel back there. Otherwise now with four deep balls thrown on the year in two games and he hasn't hit one, he's going to be nervous on every single one, right? Until he hits one. And so you got to keep going until he hits one. If Michigan can open up the deep ball, it changes everything for them. Um, With that being said, real quick, what's interesting is if you go back and you watch the film on that Michigan state game, uh, Michigan state sometimes had eight blockers for uh, either a run play or for Lombardi straight up. So like, 
virtually no blitz is going to help you <laughs> get around that, right? So they really had their matchups pinpointed out, and they knew, you know, hey, Vincent Gray, hey, Jimon Green, these are the guys we're going to take care of, and we're going to pass it all day. So I would not be surprised, and I, we've already touched on some of this, if uh, Indiana just did exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be idiotic of them not to. I agree. I mean, they saw a freshman receiver that nobody knew about go for almost 200 yards against, against a Michigan defense and just targeting the number one, their number one DB. So, I mean, I, if I was Indiana, I'd be doing the same thing. I mean, I'd be throwing it deep with Michael Penix to Wap Fillier and the other talented receivers they have on there and just take advantage of that until it stops working. And then yeah, plus, something else. plus you saw our young DBs get beat so bad that they're, you know, they're holding guys on the back of the jersey here. I even think we saw Vincent Gray grab a guy's arm and just yank yeah. him down. He, he, to the, the thing ground. on that one, like I've watched that play now 25 times. He wasn't beat. He was right with him. And so I'm like, yeah. dude, are, are you, you that not confident in yourself to play the football or, or what's your deal there? Cause you were literally right alongside the guy and he wasn't going to catch the ball. No. Right. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but um, we, we have all week and we've had all week for them to watch that tape and say, hey, these are the things we need to correct because they, they are all correctable. And that's what I think could be our saving grace. But just something to point out there. I think they're correctable if this coaching staff looks itself in the mirror and says, hey, Let's fucking change some things and make an adjustment. But how they didn't how, – how you and I, Kalen, and Jack, and everybody else out there saw them max protect in the first half and just, show, and just throw it up, and Don Brown continued to, th- to send linebacker after linebacker instead of saying, all right, well, we're not going to beat them anyway, you know, on a blitz like that. Let's drop these guys back, at least help, help my, my cornerbacks out. He didn't see that in that game. What makes you think he's going to see it this game? So now I'm all riled up again. I mean, it's Thursday, a couple <laughs> bottles of wine deep. Um, <laughs> it, it just, I, I don't know. It's so frustrating because it seems like, I, again, we, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're experts on football, but it didn't seem like you needed to be an expert on football to make an, a, a small adjustment on Saturday. So it will, it'll be interesting to see what happens this Saturday if they do make some adjustments or at least, you know, uh, I, I don't know, at least come out with, with something different to show a team other than, hey, one-on-one matchups on the, on the, uh, on the outside. So. Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about that you brought up, Ro, is Milton's Ofer on passes 25 plus yards, right? I mean, all we know, we've heard on and on and on about his big arm. And I mean, when he's Ofer, he's Ofer by like 10 yards. Like, it's he's not, not close. even close, not even close to these guys. So, I mean, hopefully it's something where he can just, he just needs to feel more comfortable. And then once he gets there, he's, he's fine. It's like riding a bike. Once you, you've got it, you're good. But, I mean, dude, if you have a quarterback that can't throw, I don't care if you can throw 80 yards or 85 yards, like apparently he can. If you can't hit a 25, 30-yard route, that does nothing for us. That does nothing. Well, now I'm like, last year I was so mad at Shea Patterson because he underthrew every single deep ball. But 
I'd kill for an underthrown deep ball that a guy can come back to right now. A, a yeah. catchable ball is all I'm asking for. Like, what bothers me so much is we, we heard all freaking fall, all camp and practice, oh, he's dropping – 60 yard dimes in there that just all like these wow plays all unbelievable plays and now like he's literally not within 10 yards of a receiver on these deep balls so that's where i'm like were we just sold like propaganda that i i don't know why you would want to talk your qb up like that if he's not that but what the well, fuck like what i, what I will say is we haven't seen a receiver break free the same way we maybe would see like a jalen waddle or, or one of those type of guys from coverage and then we haven't seen joe milton like you know throw the kind of ball that a fast receiver can run under and make the catch in stride and so i want to see both players kind of rise up in level to kind of make the kinds of plays that they need to make i mean kalen to your point not these guys are breaking free like we see with these Alabama receivers. Those guys are just a different breed. But they're open enough for a D1 quarterback to be able to drop it. I mean, we saw Rocky Lombardi do it. Hey, we saw, Joe, we saw Joe hit uh, a number of guys in the game on Saturday, and we saw maybe five drops. So, my, Dude, my, my theory is, is he's too in his head about getting air under the ball, yada, yada, yada like what we saw with Matt Stafford early in his career, right? Like he, they, people always ridiculed him for throwing the ball on a line, not getting enough air under the ball. Cause like the, the throws where he can just throw a bullet pass in there, he's, he seems pretty accurate and he seems pretty on it, but anything, anytime he's got to get air under the ball, it just, it doesn't look like the same guy. So I wonder yeah. if that's, that plays into it. Yeah. I, I know. I feel like a Joe apologist, like he can't do anything wrong, <laughs> but I mean, I, I just see, you know, he, I, the one that sticks out to me is I think it was Ronnie Bell on a slant, and he just totally airmailed it last mm-hmm. weekend, and it, it was off by 20 yards. It was, but I also, he was wide open down the seam, man. It was like yeah. – and that's a game-changing ball because guess what? Michigan State did that 17 times and connected on 10 of them, and that's the game. That's literally yeah. how they won the football game. And but I also awesome. think of a pass down the field. I can't remember who it was, but they were diving – and they just barely missed, right? So, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of give and take there, in my opinion. Also, not going to mention the hand on the numbers on the jersey of a Michigan player. So, I mean, some, you know, stuff happens. Yeah, it's been two games. He's a first-year starter. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a Joe hitter by any means. I'm just pointing out what I've seen. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not mad about the way Joe's been playing because he's playing exactly how I expected he, if listen, I don't think you're ever going to win a football game if we have to throw the ball 50 times. That's the, that's the, the reality of it. You know, we were trying, I was last year just begging them to throw the ball more than 21 times, which seemed like every, every time out, Shea Patterson threw the ball somewhere between 20 and 25 times. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's get it to at least 30, 35 and, and start airing it out a little bit. And, but now we've gone at least at least on Saturday they've gone a little too far and, and 50 passes and it was only because the the run game wouldn't wouldn't get started right and so um, that was really it and but it, I don't know do you guys see the run game getting started on Saturday it sounds like Indiana's defense from what Paul has said is uh, is pretty damn good and they and they could stop the run and so um, with Michigan's inexperience at offensive line. 
um, who knows? So, um, yeah. With that being said, why don't we go into, into our interview today with Paul Gable from the Hoosier.com and the Rivals Network. All right. Well, we'd like to welcome on Paul Gable from the Hoosier.com and the Rivals Network. He is our Indiana insider here before we uh, head uh, into the game on Saturday between the Hoosiers and the Wolverines. Paul, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Awesome. Hope, hopefully you can be feeling better on uh, Saturday, but we'll, we'll learn some more from you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we, uh, you know, obviously, um, Michigan, Michigan and Indiana have always had a tough game, especially in the past few years. It's been, uh, you know, kind of back and forth, come down to the last play or, or the final drive in a lot of uh, sequences. Um, you know, it's, it'll be another ranked matchup again, again this weekend. Do you see this game kind of coming down to the wire just like it has in the past couple years? I tell you what, I have heard all week about all, all the chaos and and the mess that is going on in Ann Arbor. I've, I've read about it on on different sites and and listened to different sports radio shows. <clears throat> and I got to be honest, this game scares the hell out of me. Not because <laughs> I'm worried about Indiana. I don't know what Michigan team's going to show up. Yeah, either do we. <laughs> that's, uh, that's I, I don't part. know I don't know if it's going to be and, and, and you know we'll get to it and, and IU has has some problems of their own that they got to figure out um, on Saturday but <clears throat> I have never seen and, and you guys talked about it a little bit I've never seen a Jim Harbaugh team lay down and die the way that they did against Michigan State yeah, especially after what we saw week one against Minnesota. I mean, it seems like the team just had fight in them. It seemed like they were dominating that game. And then you go into Sparty week two, a rivalry game, and it looked like a totally, completely different team. The lack of energy, just it, it was awful. Well, and I wonder, looking back on that now, I wonder how much of that had to do with who Minnesota didn't have as much as how good Michigan played that game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was, a, it was a bit of an overreaction to how bad Michigan State – how bad everybody thought Michigan State was because all of a sudden it seems like Rutgers – I'm not going to say they're anything like, you know, contending for a Big Ten title, but they finally have a pulse in the Big Ten and they're not going to get run over by everybody. Um and and so there there was a little overreaction to how bad Michigan State was because Rutgers seems to be okay, and then it's an overreaction to to Michigan and Minnesota because turns out Minnesota's not very good, and so Michigan may may not be as good as they thought as well either. Um, so of course, you know, in in classic Michigan fashion and you know college football fashion, sports fashion in general, everyone's overreacting week by week and after two weeks, and so um, you know the Michigan fan base, like you said, is going pretty nuts thinking it's the end of the world um, and now they have a pretty big game against a, a pretty good IU team and so um, where do you see this team you know Michael Penix is obviously a dangerous quarterback give us a, a few highlights of what we we are going to see on Saturday um, from this Indiana team going up against the Wolverines yeah Michael Penix uh, really found his groove th there in second quarter on against Rutgers uh, 
again, second game in a row, IU gets off to a slow start offensively, uh, a couple drop passes. And, and I'm beginning to really think that that more than anything is uh, rust and a lack of rhythm that's been brought on by, by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic because none of these teams had a chance to do seven-on-seven seven drills. None of these guys really had a chance to work out. Penix worked out with uh, Wap failure a little bit during the summer, but that's about it. So, you know, if Michael Penix can, can start the game the way he progressed against Rutgers, if he can start against Michigan, <laughs> look out. Uh, because he, he is a talent unlike any I've seen um, at, at IU since maybe Antoine Randall L. In that he can he can kill you with his arm and or his legs if they open the playbook up a little bit for him. Walt Fillier, uh, Ty Freifogel, two wide receivers I expect to see get going early and often. And then you got Peyton Hendershot, uh, one of the better tight ends in in the Big Ten. And Stevie Scott uh, at running back, along with Samson James, you've got weapons there for that IU offense. But the biggest surprise to me is as good as the offense is, that IU defense uh, might be a lot better than than anybody really expected uh, or thought. And if you're asking me, is IU an offensive team or a defensive team, I'm going to hedge my money a little bit on the defensive side of the football uh, where they've got six takeaways through two games. Wow. Interesting. Hey, I, a quick question, though. Um, I know Indiana has struggled in their first game to kind of get going offensively. I think they had something like 211 yards or something, most of it coming after almost 58 minutes of play in the first game against Penn State. And like you're saying, Michael Panic started to find his rhythm more uh, in the second game against Rutgers. But my understanding is that there have been some struggles from Scott, the running back. Uh, I think he has over like 41 carries, but only 138 yards. Do you see him finding success against Michigan's run defense? If the offensive line gives him some time and they, and they protect a little bit, uh, that that's, um, Offensive line has has some players back, but they've had to move some guys around on that line. Um, you know, here's the thing. At some point, and, and I asked um, – I use offensive coordinator Nick Sheridan that very question this week. At what point do you get concerned about the lack of a run game? Uh, because it's no secret we're now in November – uh, we saw the weather at Minnesota week one. We know it's going to get worse. And and this is an IU team when they go to Wisconsin, assuming Wisconsin's playing in December, um, and they go to Purdue, they're going to have to be able to line up and run the football a little bit. Uh, Samson James is, is a talented back. Uh, Stevie Scott's a talented back. They've got to put it all together and find ways to get that running game going. Yeah, and um, so that's the that is the one thing that Michigan's defense has done well. Actually, is stop the run. Um, I know you know Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota did get his uh, his good chunk of yardage 
from in week one against the Wolverines, but they they kept him in check until it, it was a little bit later in the game that he started running the ball more, um, and, and it would they were kind of in command of that game the whole time. Um, but obviously, the the pass defense for Michigan was the dagger last week against Michigan State, and I've talked about it uh, this week a little bit, and. I don't see why Indiana doesn't just take the exact blueprint from Michigan State and do the same thing with Michael Penix on Saturday and just have Max protect. Don't let, you know, Quiddy Payne, Aiden Hutchinson, and Mike Barrett, those linebackers, get to the quarterback and go one-on-one and challenge those defensive backs. And so talking to Nick Sheridan, do you think that that might be their, their game plan going into Saturday? Well, and, and he was asked about that, and, and Nick uh, always keeps keeps it very close to the vest. Uh, and he was asked, you know, what do you expect out, out of Michigan's defense, uh, which, you know, was torched uh, by Michigan State? And uh, he, he said, I expect what you typically see from a Don Brown defense and a Jim Harbaugh defense, um, you know, I, I take that as coach speak, and I think he, he's really got to be sitting back, uh, chomping at the bit to air it out quite a bit this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, we know Michael Penix is a great, great um, quarterback uh, as far as throwing the ball, and you mentioned those two solid wide receivers they have. Now, do you, Michael Penix, I mean, he's a running threat as well, correct? Is he, do, is he more of a, a pocket passer in your mind or, or more of a dual threat kind of guy? Um, he's more of a passer. He looks to get the ball to, to his receivers first, and then he'll run if he needs to. Um, but he, when he runs, as he showed against Penn State, he, he's got no fear running, uh, and, and, and taking off for the end zone. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And Don Brown has actually struggled with that in the past of, of trying to spy a quarterback. And so um, Michael Barrett did actually leave last game early a little bit. So we're not totally sure on the the health of him. So we'll see how, how Don Brown responds to that. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about Nick Sheridan some more because he is obviously a former Michigan quarterback. Did you hear any kind of uh, – or, or was he asked this week at all about – playing against his former team. He's obviously played against his former team a couple times, but him and Mike Hart both are on the Indiana uh, coaching staff, correct? And so they, uh, they've got a little personal, personal touch to this game. Are they looking to get a little I, – I don't want to say revenge because they still, I, I'm sure, like their alma maters, but is it a little more personal for them and they're trying to, to gain an edge there? Oh, I, I, I think it's definitely – uh, a little more personal for them. Sadly, we didn't get to hear from uh, from Mike this week. Uh, I would have loved to have have taken his uh, his perspective on things. But uh, you know, Nick Nick is a guy who has worked for everything he's he's ever gotten. He he, uh, he told the media this week that when when he got to Michigan, he was probably number 105 out of 105 uh, players. And, and, you know, he, he worked his way up to, to become a starting quarterback. Um, and he joked that uh, he's played in a lot of the stadiums, but he hasn't had nearly the success that a lot of uh, his players have had. 
in those stadiums. But you know, it, it, he'll never he'll never come out and publicly say it. But I don't care who you are, uh, you always want to want to one up your your school a little bit if you have an opportunity to. So I I think yes, I think it's personal for him. I think it's personal for Mike. Um, in that now they've been with Tom Allen since day one. They're Indiana guys, and uh, they want to end that streak um, against Michigan. That they've been a part of. They've been a part of producing for. <laughs> For a couple of years, right? That, it is kind of crazy that you know Mike. Mike played so long ago, and Nick played a, you know a, not as long ago. But um, both of them are part of the streak for Michigan here. And, and so let's talk about that streak a little bit too. Is that something that is talked about within this Indiana program? And is it has it been made an emphasis? Has, has everybody been made aware of that? Every player, every coach that. Hey, it has been since 1980, whatever, um, and we're trying to stop that in in the year 2020. It it's been since 1987. Uh, Nick Sheridan was not born yet. The last time <laughs> IU won, um, Coach Allen was asked about that this week, and and Coach Allen was asked, you know, how much of of that is played up by sports writers and, and, and journalists and you know we gotta have we gotta have something to talk about especially uh when that rivalry and 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 i ask when does a rivalry quit being a rivalry uh that rivalry has been so one-sided for forever honestly um so yeah i think i think the guys are tired of hearing about it uh i think the guys who have been in the program for a while are tired of hearing about it, tired of coming up short. I think Coach Allen is tired of hearing about it, although he'll uh, he'll never admit to that. He'll never say that uh, they're focused on the past or they're focused on the future. But, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Coach Allen has talked about goals. One of the goals was to be the top 25, top 10 program, and they did that when they beat Penn State. First time in 33 years. Uh, another goal, I'm sure, is to beat Michigan. Opportunity to do that for the first time in 33 years. Um, and Coach Allen has talked about this is a special team. This is a team that has an opportunity to go out and contend for a Big Ten championship. And he wants Indiana to win Big Ten championships. Uh, as funny as that sounds to people outside of the state of Indiana, in order to do that, you've got to start knocking off the Penn States, the Michigans, the Ohio States, and start doing it routinely. Yeah, and, and taking a look at Indiana's schedule, I mean, a thought just popped in my head. I mean, Indiana, if they beat Michigan, which I'm kind of expecting them to, Tom Allen might be up for Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. He, he very well could be. And, and, and here's something that, uh, you know, we've talked about among ourselves as a staff at the Hoosier.com uh, and some other people. They beat Penn State. They beat Rutgers. Let's say they beat Michigan. Let's say they go up to uh, East Lansing and knock off Michigan State, a team that they should have beat last year. Now you're talking about a 4-0 Indiana team going against – 
what will probably be an undefeated Ohio State team, a top 10 matchup possibly, and implications greater than just the Big Ten East. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's kind of crazy because they, Indiana had its first winning record since 2007 last season, right? And so Tom Allen has to have these boys feeling, you know, a, a winning season last year. Uh, I believe they had a winning record in the Big Ten, too. And now they're 2-0, and and things are looking good on their schedule to maybe go 4-0 and beyond. And so uh, what's, the, what's the buzz around Indiana right now? Is everybody feeling like, all right, we are rolling and nobody can stop us? Yeah, they, they really are. And, it, it, you know, to your point about Coach Allen, hell of a coach. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Indiana – it has not been known as a hotbed for, for, for football. That um, they, they have always been a basketball school, and and some of those guys, especially on the defensive side of the football, uh, the last couple of weeks are starting to talk about, hey, we're we're turning the tide around here. We're we're uh, a school that has a good basketball program, but we also play some pretty good football as well, um, and. Yeah, he's, he's got those guys believing. Uh, I think he said it best this week when uh, he was asked, you know, is it easier to show your guys on we have an opportunity to go out and beat Michigan and end that streak because we did it two weeks ago against Penn State. And, yeah, it is. It's a lot easier as a coach to show your kids on something when you can actually go and show, hey, we did this two weeks ago. Or, hey, we went on the road off a great win and we took care of business against an upcoming Rutgers team. Yeah, it's funny because I think the way you describe Indiana is the way a lot of Michigan fans feel about Michigan uh, after the game last weekend. Uh, you know, we're, we're a basketball school who's had some good football teams. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I'm also curious for uh, your thoughts on Harbaugh here a little bit, um, especially with a lot of rumors floating around uh, after that loss. I mean, I even heard somebody saying he's, he's got an eye on the NFL. I've heard someone say he's, he's going to retire and buy a bus and drive around the United States with his son. So <laughs> I'm just, what's the perception from other programs about Harbaugh? Uh, Coach Allen respects respects uh, Coach Harbaugh uh, as a coach, and I think he has to. And, 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 you know, I think at the end of the day, it's a loss to Michigan State. Uh, and it, here's the thing about Harbaugh and Harbaugh's teams. They don't lose back-to-back games often. Um, so as bad as they looked against Michigan State, I think Tom, in, in the back of his mind, honestly believes we're going to see the team that played against uh, Minnesota. Now, you know, Tom has to do that. Tom's the coach. For me, uh, (laughs) what has happened to Jim Harbaugh? Um, You know, this is a guy who took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. This is a guy who was supposed to be the savior at Michigan and and has underperformed and has – for the last couple of years. And it's bad when you have guys 
uh, asking and, and, and saying, what is going on with Jim Harbaugh? I read a story, uh, believe in the Detroit Free Press this week, that said that Jim Harbaugh has been dead on the inside for a couple of years. And, and, it, and it looks that way. I've watched every press conference with him this week, and he looks like a guy who has no idea what's going on. Yeah, it just seems like he is a shell of his 2015 self. You know, it's um, you don't see. First of all, just by the looks of him, you can see it looks like he's aged 15 years in the six years that he's been at Michigan. Um, He walks with a limp from his hip. He's got gray hairs, and I think the stress of it all. Um, because he's had success everywhere he's gone until he got to Michigan. And, I mean, obviously he's had success at Michigan too, just hasn't had championship success. And so um, he, he doesn't look like the same 49ers Jim Harbaugh, Stanford Harbaugh, even 2016 Harbaugh at Michigan. And so I, I think that, I don't know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he even wants to step away himself after this year or, or what will happen. Uh, as I think it's difficult in a pandemic year with a shortened schedule to really judge any, any um, coaches out there because I, I doubt across the country we will see less uh, firings of coaches than we've ever seen before after a season uh, in 2020 here. And so, um, yeah. I'll give you that. I'll I'll give you that. He probably gets a pass because of the pandemic. But I'll be honest with you. I'm not so certain that there wasn't a conversation that was had about, look, you need to win and you need to win out. Uh, Because at the end of the day, he has not shown that that he, he can beat Ohio State. And that was Lloyd Carr's downfall. Yeah, um, I think that it, in a normal year, if this was a normal year, he would have been, I mean, hot seat right in the middle of this season, if not, um, you know, at the end of the season. And so um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I think that financially every university, especially Michigan, is in a t- tough situation here. So maybe he does get that pass, but he's definitely not getting a pass from the fan base because the fan base has him all the way on the hot seat. Um, so we'll, we'll leave it at that, I guess, on Harbaugh. But I do want to, as we wrap up here, um, kind of get some predictions for Saturday from yourself. And um, we will go on with our predictions later in the, this episode. But um, coming from our Indiana insider, Paul Gable from thehoosier.com and the Rivals Network, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday between Indiana and Michigan? The only thing I know is that two teams are going to show up and kick off at noon. Outside of that, I, I, I have no idea. Um, you, you know, I think, and and I talked to a former IU player today for a story I'm working on about that '87 uh, IU team under Bill Mallory that. Um, went eight and four and lost to Tennessee in the Peach Bowl. And uh, the last team to beat Michigan, beat them 14 to 10 in Bloomington. And he said to me, he said, through the years, Michigan has beaten us because of their depth. He said, IU might have 40 good players and Michigan has 60. 
He said that changes this year because we have good players at good at good skill positions that are going to give them fits. And I believe he's right. Uh, uh, I know Don Brown is a defensive genius, uh, and and he'll come up with he'll come up with some scheme to. Uh, to try to limit what, what Penix can do, especially after last week, uh, watching what, what Michigan State did. He'll have to come up with something. Um, my my concerns are twofold for IU. One is the offensive line going to produce. And two, can they stop Joe Milton from escaping and, and picking up yardage with his legs? If they can do those two things, Indiana will pick up a uh, a win, and they'll pick up a 31-21 win. Wow. I mean, looking looking at uh, I mean, obviously that's the you know if IU can stop those two things, that's what they'll be able to do to have them win that game. What do you think Michigan has to do to come out on top? Michigan to come out on top, Michigan has to put uh, uh all the negativity, all the uh. All the, all the press clippings, all the crap that they've had to hear about their coach and about their program, and come out and, and make a statement and show some kind of a pulse. I didn't see a pulse uh, from them when they played against Michigan State, and I don't understand how you can't get up for your biggest rival. Um, and, and I get the big brother, little brother syndrome, but they didn't look like they were into that game at all. Um, Milton has to play within himself. Uh, he, he He's a guy who can put up some big numbers and do a lot of things, but he's also a guy who, if he gets a little bit of pressure put on him, he's going to create uh, a lot of issues that Michigan doesn't want. Um, Michigan needs to find a way to, to contain Penix and uh, walk failure and be opportunistic on the offensive side. Because IU is going to come out and look to create takeaways in that game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Harbaugh can get these guys to rally around him and play for each other here, um, or if it's like, you know what, we're we're kind of over this whole Harbaugh thing. We're over we're over this uh, this Michigan thing. We're kind of packing it in in this pandemic year. Um, it it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, what Michigan team shows up, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of swagger Indiana comes out with, um, with the two and zero feeling, and like they've got the whole world in front of them. So, Paul, thank you very much for coming on with us. You can find him at uh, thehoosier.com. Plug your Twitter. Plug anything else you you need to right now. Yeah. So my Twitter is at Paul E Gable. And uh, the Hoosier.com is, is your go-to for Indiana football, basketball, and recruiting news. And one last thing, to your point, we're going to find out a lot about Harbaugh and how much time he has left there based on how they come out and produce. If, if they tune him out and they come out lifeless, he's on borrowed time. Yeah, you're absolutely Great. correct. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that Michigan fans, that's a hard pill to swallow here, obviously, in year six of Harbaugh in a, in a moment that they thought they would be um, talking, all right, now we're finally to the point of, uh, you know, matching up with Ohio State and looking at a Big Ten title. Instead, they're looking at, 
you know, one and one, maybe one and two, uh, and looking at a, a fired coach. So thanks again, Paul. We appreciate you. Um, go check out. I'm sure he's got some Indiana, Michigan uh, previews for Saturday. So go check out his stuff if you want to know more about the Indiana offense and defense as we go into Saturday. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Big thank you to Paul for coming on and giving us a little insight into Indiana. Um, yeah, that, it, he, he makes some, some good points on, uh, on the matchup on Saturday. And, and, and I think that um, it's some interesting points on Harbaugh too. Um, where is Jim Harbaugh? We've, we've talked about that. You know, it's, he's a shell of a man of the man that we saw in the past. And, and it's, it's at least nice to see that we're not the only nice to hear that we're not the only people that see that, that everyone else, you know, around the big 10 sees that as well. Um, was there anything concerning to you guys or interesting that, uh, you guys think about the, the matchup coming up that he, he talked about in his, uh, when he was talking about it? Well, Ro, I think something you mentioned uh, as far as him saying Indiana's defense might be the stronger um, side of the ball for, for the Hoosiers. And, I mean, we, we know how talented the offense is. I mean, the, in, the defense isn't something I was really expecting. So after seeing our struggles, you know, on offense last week, you know, going into this game, hearing that Indiana's defense is, is pretty strong and something that we're going to have to deal with, I mean – Makes me nervous, man. I, I still think Michigan's going to come back, uh, bounce back after a after a poor game last week, and and really show some fire and emotion and and try to you know build back up the rankings. But makes me nervous, man. I mean, the run game struggled with Mayfield out. I mean, it's it's so hard to kind of expect what's going to happen. But uh, I'm definitely nervous about that defense. That's for sure. Yeah, and then don't sleep on that offense, like we're saying, right? I mean, they got three big-time uh, receiving threats over there. Um, so, I mean, the team sounds very well-rounded to me, and so I think it's going to be a struggle for the Wolverines. Let me ask you this, guys. Coming off of that Michigan State loss, and obviously the talk is now, do you fire Jim Harbaugh? You know, Harbaugh is on the hot seat, blah, blah, blah. We hear that nearly after every loss they have, but this seems like it's really pretty real at this point. What is it? Is this a must win game or can Michigan come out against a top 15 Indiana team on the road? And if they show some fight, if they lose in a, like um, Paul said, I don't know. He said 31, 21. Let's say, let's say if they lose in a, in a 30, I don't know. 31-28 or 40-42-38, something, some game like that where they lose by, I don't know, less than a touchdown or something. Is Harbaugh then, is it like they, they've shown some fight and you feel like you're a little bit back on, the, on board here, or is it must win 100%? I mean, I'd love to see him show some fight, but I feel like it's got to be a must win game, right? Look at next week, or, or the, yeah, coming next week, we got Wisconsin. Is Graham Mertz going to be available to play? Are they, are they even going to be allowed to play a big 10 game? I mean, if they are and everybody's healthy, that's no gamey. I mean, that could be a three game losing streak right there. So I, I think, I think Indiana is a must win game, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be a piece of cake. That's for sure. I mean, it's a tough team. And I mean, number 13 in the country, <sighs> they got to win. They got to win. They don't, that's two game losing streak going into Wisconsin. Like I said, tough game. 
I don't think we're beating Wisconsin. So that's three games in a row. I mean, Harbaugh, if anything, I think he'd step down at the end of the season because, like you've said earlier, he looks like a shell of himself from 2015, 2016. It's just he, he doesn't look like he's enjoying it anymore. Yeah, this this game is absolutely a must-win for Harbaugh. I mean, it is, it's one thing to lose to MSU in a rivalry game, but, I mean, you have better talent all around than Indiana. Like, there's, there's no reason for you to even be competing at the same level, honestly. So, I mean, you, like, if, if you lost – if Harbaugh lost to MSU and then lost to Indiana, I would be like, okay, like, there is – there might even be serious problems beyond Harbaugh at this program. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's no excuse to not win this game. Yeah, and those those problems maybe beyond Harbaugh were exactly what Rich Rod were talking was talking about, right? So um, I don't know it, it, that scares me forever, right? It's like, all right, even if they go out and get the next hot guy, the next you know big name or whatever, maybe there's bigger problems that need to be resolved in in the regents or the you know the boards or the athletic department. Who knows? But um, yeah, so let's, let's go to some positive news. Cause dear God, we haven't talked about anything positive on this podcast in like fucking years. It seems like Michigan basketball, Juwan Howard lands a five-star finally after whiffing on so many Caleb Houston is coming to Michigan. Let's pray. He's actually coming to Michigan first of all, and we're not getting duped into, uh, 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 Josh Christopher again. Uh, but that was a huge land for Juwan Howard. I think now it gives him, you know, a lot of credibility. It, getting a, a five-star just in his second, uh, his second season here, especially after his first season was cut short. What do you guys think about Caleb Houston? Five stars, baby. That's all that matters. I love to see Juwan still going after him. I mean, obviously, like what we saw with, with Isaiah Todd, big five-star guy, ends up going to the uh, – the G League, right? He, he didn't go overseas. He went to the G League. So, G League, yep. um, personally, if I was a fucking five-star guy, I'd go to the G League too. I don't know why he's going to Michigan. <laughs> Take, get your money. Get your money, dude. But I'm, I'm glad to see it. I am so glad to see a five-star guy coming to Michigan. It just it just builds more momentum, more momentum for the program and for Juwan Howard. And, I mean, we already know he's a great coach. We got a lot of talent coming back um, this coming season with Shondri Shondi Brown becoming uh, immediately eligible. Um, Mike Smith coming in from Columbia. I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team, guys, and, and they're going to have a good year. And then to have a five-star guy like that and a bunch of other top recruits coming in the following year, the momentum's going to build and build and just keep rolling. And uh, Michigan, I mean, Michigan's up there with the Blue Bloods now, guys, with, with basketball. So I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's a much more fun season for me personally to watch. Uh, because there's more games and March Madness and whatnot. So I'm pumped. Pumped for Juwan. Love to see him do well. Love to see it. Hey, man. If, if, we, if we lose two games in a row, I'm calling it. We're a basketball school now. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that, that uh, what you dropped earlier. We're a basketball school who used to win football games. I've <laughs> won a couple football games. <laughs> right. Um, it's not wrong. It's not wrong at this point. The basketball team has had a lot more success, honestly. Um, I, I think this is, this is really big for Juwan. And for Michigan fans, as us as Michigan fans, it's like 
Juwan Howard is just the easiest guy to root for ever. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, talk about having a guy that you just want as your leader. And he is, I mean, he's essentially done no wrong at Michigan yet in two years. Obviously, he has a lot to improve on. It's not like he's, you know, won anything big or, but he's beat Michigan State. He's beat Ohio State. Like he's, um, he's done the right things and he's a lovable guy. He's a player's coach. Um, It's just like, to me, I think Michigan basketball is headed in the right direction. And honestly, Michigan football, they should be sitting down right now and, or, you know, the athletic department, Ward Manuel, whoever should be sitting down and saying, let's go find our Juwan Howard. Mm -hmm. Our, he doesn't have to be obviously a a fab five guy or a guy that, that played in the nineties, whatever. But my point is, a guy who's a player's coach. These guys are going to rally around him. He, he builds a culture, a family. The, Shawnee Brown has been here for less than six months, and all he's been doing is raving about how this is a family more than he was at, at Wake Forest, more than he's ever, you know, anywhere he's ever been. And so it's like, how does a guy that's been here six months feel that way about his teammates and he and so I, I think Juwan Howard is really building something special and it's showing to these five-star recruits now and maybe there's a bag getting dropped here or there I don't think by Juwan but maybe Jordan's helping out or something because if, if the five stars come you know that something's happening I don't care if you're at Michigan Michigan State Duke Kentucky wherever else it's just the that's the state of college basketball and college athletics at this point it's got to make it legal everybody's just doing it just fucking pay the guys they they make paid. billions of dollars to the NCAA it's yeah. so stupid at this point it's so accepted by everybody too like if somebody gets caught for paying players everyone's like uh yeah yeah, no we shit. all we all know they pay the players, dude. So <laughs> no one's I don't know. surprised anymore. Yeah, I I think um, for me right now, like we talked about our excitement level for Michigan football this weekend. I'm pumped for Michigan basketball. I'm like, get Michigan basketball here so we can at least have something else to talk about and uh, and rely on instead of having to to rely on this Jim Harbaugh team. So. Um, all right, I've done enough talking now. Let's let's go to our let's go to our zero to nineties here. Who wants to start? Kalen's ready. Kalen, you go for it. Ooh, mixing up the order here a little bit. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> All right, throwing him off. All right, all right, Kalen, you ready? Yes, sir. Your zero to ninety starts now. All right, our zero to nineties is a good spot for your hot takes, right? So here's my hot take: MSU. Lost by 11 to Rutgers, but they also had seven turnovers. No game should be that close with seven turnovers, which leads you to believe that Rutgers is better than we thought, right? Like, Ro, you said they have a pulse. So that also leads me to believe after MSU's win versus Michigan that MSU, after putting it together and not turning the ball over, is much better than we thought from that loss to Rutgers. Mm Mm-hmm. Michigan only lost to MSU by three and the errors that they made are fixable. So they show up on Saturday, they stop the run. Then Don Brown surprises everybody by playing zone defense. 
and forcing Michael Penix to throw the ball. Michigan, 38, Indiana, 28. Love All it. Right. All right. It took you a while you to lost get there, me. but you got there. It was, you lost me a couple of times there. It was like riding a wave, but I, but hey. I loved the ending. <laughs> I had no idea. That was, like, that was like watching The Office. Michael Scott, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going to end. <laughs> I oh, hope I find goodness. it along the way. <laughs> so accurate. Uh, I, I wish I, I literally do that nearly every sentence I, I say in my life, especially on this podcast. Dude, so. that's a whole podcast. It's literally the whole podcast. <laughs> All right, Jack, you ready? Let's, let, I hope your flow is a little bit better than Kalen's. <laughs> oh, fuck, I hope so, man. All right, Hard Jack, your zero to 90 starts now. All right, Kalen, I agree with you. I think Sparty's better than they are or better than we thought they were. Rutgers has a pulse. Um, Michigan's going to come out against Indiana and we're going to struggle at first. I think we go down in the half 21, 14, but I think Harbaugh brings himself back to life. I think Don Brown brings some hype back into the defense. And I think Michigan comes back to win 35 or 38, 35. That's what I had predicted uh, previously. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. All right, I like it. I like it. I do think it's going to be high scoring. Yeah. I think 21-14 is reasonable for the first half. I think Penix goes off. I mean, I think he, you know, and I think Michigan adjusts and figures it out for the first time in a long time. Yeah. All All right, right, Ro, you ready? I I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I'm hoping to find it along the way. There you go. That's how you do it. All right, Justin, your 0-90 to starts now. All right, so I think this is a game Michigan has, has come back after losses like against Michigan State and, and played well. Unfortunately, I think this is one that they still don't play well. I think that they get down early and they kind of crumble. Um, I still think that they, because it's Indiana and the streak lives on, they're going to end up uh, pulling it out somehow. But I think that we're still going to be stuck. Michigan's going to win the game by, you know, three to somewhere in between three to seven points. But we're going to be stuck after the game being like, well, that didn't answer any questions. That was the same shit that we saw, but we just kind of somehow pulled it out of our ass. And so the, the Harbaugh narrative is not going to be changed. We're going to, we're going to somehow win this football game, but it's going to be like, you know, we shouldn't have won that game type of thing. And so I, I think that I can see that happening. Um, I could also see – I'm going to stick with that. And I, and I think that it's going to be this, this – uh, I don't think the offense is going to score that many points. I think the defense is somehow going to pull it together or get some turnovers or something. I'm going to say 28-24 Michigan. Low scoring. I did hear there – the Sharps, there's a lot of money coming in on Michigan this week. A lot of money. At minus three, three and a half, I think yeah. it was. So, I'm, I was surprised to hear that. I thought that people would, after Harbaugh just start, you know, after everything last week, they would start pouring money on Indiana. But sounds like everyone's all in on Michigan after, after a big loss. And, and it's crazy, too, because even Paul said it. You, you, when's the last time you saw Michigan lose – Back-to-back games. I mean, not counting Ohio State and then a bowl game, right? right? Like, throughout the regular season. You don't, you don't see it very often. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this, they usually, they don't have, obviously Michigan state wasn't a tough game, um, but it was, you know, it wasn't supposed to be, but it was, but now they usually don't have this type of tough games back to back. Usually, you know, the big 10 is kind of spread out a little bit better. Um, but yeah, we'll see. So um, that's the podcast this week. Um, those are our predictions for Saturday. I'm sure they will all be very correct as we always are. Uh, big thank you again to Paul Gable coming on to, uh, to give us a little insight on Indiana. You can follow us, excuse me. You can follow us at blue by 90 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at blue by 90 as well. And blue by 90 podcast on YouTube, where we post all of our podcasts and more. Um, give us a follow, like subscribe, give us a good rating out there or a bad rating. I don't really care um, <laughs> at this point. So, all right. Any, any, but anything else from you boys? Go blue. Go blue. Just please go blue. Please go blue. Please, God. (laughs) Dear God, please. Fucking win a football game. (laughs) All right, boys. So I want to to give a little shout-out to Caleb Martin, one of our followers on Twitter. Uh, We've been DMing, and he wanted to call in and and leave us a voicemail on on his thoughts after the Michigan State game. And so we got – here's the first voicemail that we got from him uh, giving his thoughts on on MSU. This is Caleb Martin down here in Toledo. I've been messaging with you guys on um, Twitter a little bit lately about some frustrations and, well – some excitement that after last week, obviously, that all of us um, Michigan fans have had. But, you know, since I destroyed my baseball bat in my backyard on my garage after the game <laughs> on Saturday, um, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know, even though everybody's blaming it on Jim Harbaugh, which yes, he has a serious issue with, with uh, winning the big game, and it's been very unacceptable. I also don't see the way with the way that we're recruiting and the way that, you know, our offense has performed in the past compared to this year. I do think that Harbaugh and Gaddis have done a great job of getting these young guys prepared and getting them ready. Obviously not this week, which fucking sucks. Um, it fucking hurts and I wanna rip my heart out because of it. Pardon my language. Um, <laughs> but I just think after the past six years all we've seen is Don Brown just refusing to make adjustments. I know you keep hearing that, but man, it's fucking time to move on from Don Brown. We have some, you know, our, our corners are, we have young, we have a young team, we have young corners. I just feel like it's, it's time for him to make an adjustment or for Harbaugh to make a change and go ahead with someone else. I just don't think it's time to, uh, as much as I want to say that it is, I don't think it's time to move on from Harbaugh. I still think he's going to be the guy that, that can get us over the hump. Him and Gaddis together, I think the offense is phenomenal. It can be phenomenal. It has the potential, especially with Joe Milton's arm. I'm still 100% behind um, the Joe Milton for Heisman the next couple years train. Um, I think he's got that <laughs> talent that, you know, you can't find really anywhere else. So I just, I guess for me, the question that I have to you guys is, what do you think, what kind of timeline realistically do you guys think that Don Brown is going to be on? And not even Don Brown, but, you know, with Harbaugh himself, you know, what kind of t- timeline or, or ultimatum is, is Ward Manuel going to give him? And, and, uh, and if, if he does go, who do we like as the next potential head coach, you know, which is we don't want to get rid of Harbaugh despite our frustrations. 
Um, who who are potential candidates that you guys think would be um, better than him? You know, better than a Michigan man that you know. Compared to Brady Hoke, our record has been astronomical. Just not just we haven't been able to figure out the big games. And I think in part that part of that is from Don Brown's defense and his refusal to make adjustments and make changes at halftime or make changes in his preparation. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to uh, put all of my frustrations on Coach Harbaugh. I'm more so ready to, as you can tell, put my frustrations on Don Brown. So, so that was the, the three minutes of, uh, from Caleb there. And it was, I mean, first of all, I loved him dropping like six F-bombs. And then after the third one, saying, pardon my language. Um, <laughs> after he's, he, know, he listens and knows that. I think I dropped 78 F-bombs after the Michigan State game. So, um, But there, there was that one. Caleb, I promise you we will answer your question at some point about – who our, our future candidates are, but I want the listeners to hear because we got that, that uh, voicemail from him and it's very, you know, obviously some from some frustration, but it's pretty even keeled, pretty like, you know, talking through it. And he's, and he's still positive about, about the program and about Harbaugh and he thinks that they can still figure it out. And then not, not five minutes later, we get this next voicemail here. Hi, this is Caleb Martin down here in Toledo again. Um, I changed my mind after seeing more of a bullshit-ass excuses um, about Vincent Gray and, and uh, the offensive line being he doesn't know. I think it's fucking time. I agree. I, it, it, it's time um, I still like Josh Gaddis. I think he could be a, uh, a positive factor in Michigan and Ann Arbor as a head coach. But if that if that's not the case, then I think that uh, we give at least get at it for the rest of the year, and if it doesn't work out, I say fuck it, we clean house, um, <laughs> and probably fuck our twenty-one. So quick. Twenty-two recruiting and twenty-three <laughs> recruiting. Oops. But um, yeah, I think it's time to clean house. As much as I hate to say it, I would love to see us try to go after Luke Pickle. I love what he's building down in Cincinnati. I say we give him the blank checkbook, or even Brett Venables in Clemson. Um, I wouldn't mind a, a defense, an actual defensive-minded head coach um, with with a Josh Gaddis or something like that. Um, and just give them a blank check and say, tell them whatever the fuck they need. Um, come fix our program and take us back to what Michigan should be and what, 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 what Michigan fans deserve. Um, look forward to hearing what you guys talk about this week. Um, as always, go blue. Um, and I'm looking forward to basketball season because – Let's fucking go, Natty Championship season, baby. <laughs> that was it. Was so fun. I love Caleb. That's awesome. That's that is amazing. amazing. Oh god, those those phone calls were like five minutes apart. Just he was so <laughs> in. You know, guys. You know, I still think it's it's Harbaugh. He still can get it done. You know what? Fuck Harbaugh. I, I'm so sick of his his bitch ass excuses. That was perfect. He's he's a true Michigan fan, man. Oh, just like that, the rest of us. I love yeah. it. It was exactly like – it was just a perfect representation of the Michigan fan base and how quickly – Oh, perfect. Uh, I loved it. Thanks, Caleb. We love you here. We might Thank have you, to Caleb. have him on. He had, he had I was, that's what I was thinking, man. That Sweet was great. energy. Pure entertainment.
Absolutely. So, all right, Caleb, we'll, we'll have you on and we can talk next week. You know, if Michigan goes one and two, then we're seriously talking about who's can what candidates we have, you know, for the next, uh, for the next uh, head coach here. So we'll have you on to talk about that.